0: Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliot Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is March 15th, 2021, and here with me to spring forward is my friend, astrologer April Elliot Kent. Hi, April. It's
1: spring! It's spring!
0: (laughs) (laughs) We love spring! Yes, we do. You said it's been a little springy even where you are, Jen. It was in the 60s over the weekend in Minneapolis, which is very exciting because the last couple of years we've had snow in April. Oh my goodness. We're hoping that doesn't happen again this year.
1: I mean, that's the same
0: temperatures we've had here in San Diego. It's like we're living in the exact same place. I know, almost, (laughs) (laughs) It's spring! Well, there's
1: something other than spring that we should celebrate this week, Jan. What's that? It is International Astrology Day. No kidding. Tell me about it. It's on March 20th. It's always on or about the spring equinox, the Aries equinox. And this was something that was put together. I think the founding organization was AFAN. Which stands for what? The Association for Astrological Networking. And they initiated this some 27, 28 years ago or something, International Astrology Day. So a lot of local and national astrology organizations host special events to celebrate and to commemorate this wonderful world of astrology. Fun. If you want to find out what might be going on that you'd want to participate in, go to afan.org. And on the menu, select events, and then there is a little listing for International Astrology Day. And they try to track some of the bigger events that are going on. I know Kepler College is doing something, and some of the NCGR chapters do, and
0: so on. Lots of happenings in the astrology world this week.
1: Yes, people might really enjoy getting involved. And of course, they're all virtual this year, and as everything is. But there's a lot going on out there, so check it out.
0: Sweet. Sweet. And did you turn your clock forward, pal?
1: Hopefully we got them all. There are so many of them now that do it automatically. I know. But we have some old school clocks. And it used to be I had a car that was like a 1986 Corolla. Mm -hmm. And it was so difficult to change the time. But I just stayed on standard time year round. (laughs) I just didn't even bother with that one. So
0: once a year it would catch up to the real time. <laughs> hey, you know, stock <laughs> clock is right twice a day and that clock was right twice a year. What about you? Have you caught all of your little analog devices in your life? Let's hope so. We have one clock with hands, the analog clock, and I think that's it. Mm, just
1: one. Yeah. I find daylight saving time is a lot less injurious now that Johnny and I don't have to get up at a particular time right? to get to work. It should be on a Friday night, don't you think? Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Let's write a letter to somebody. <laughs> the gods of time. Saturn, write a letter to Saturn. (laughs) Hey, Saturn, what's up? (laughs) Well, my pal, it is the week of the Aries equinox, and we have a certain amount to say about that. But where shall we begin our episode this week?
0: Well, Mercury enters Pisces this week. That's what we're going to talk about first. Mercury will be in Pisces for the next three weeks, enters on March 15th at 3.26 p.m. Pacific time, and will be there through April 3rd. Mercury is moving from an air sign to a water sign, from a sign focused on logic to a sign focused on emotions, from a fixed sign to a mutable sign, from a sign in which it's exalted to one in which it's in its detriment. So it's
1: going from one of its very strongest signs to one of its weakest. Right on. The two of us are both having some Neptune aspects now, so what are some of the downsides,
0: do you think, of Mercury entering Pisces? It can be a challenge to get words out.
1: Neither of us would know anything (laughs) about that, Jen. With Neptune encroaching on our Virgo planets, we're having a devil of a time with that. So yeah, what would you say? Well, Mercury is about the way we both collect and share information. While it's in Pisces, Mercury collects information from the ether. Let's put it this way. If Mercury in Pisces brings home something from Ikea, they are not going to look at the instructions (laughs) as they're trying to put it together. And somehow they get there, but they like to work their way through it a little more intuitively.
0: (laughs) That's great.
1: And this would be true, too, for people who have Mercury in strong aspect to Neptune. Sometimes they would prefer to collect information, use information in that way. The first thing that Mercury is going to do while it's in Pisces is it'll make a sextile aspect to Uranus. That'll be more towards the end of the week on March 21st at 4.35 p.m. Pacific time. Mercury sextile Uranus is an innovative combination. It takes that Mercury in Pisces process that's a little more nonlinear and intuitive and gives it that little spark of Uranus too, which is creative and sort of collects things out of the blue. It's like little lightning strikes of information that come toward us. So if there's something that you've been wanting to do that's a little more creative and that you've maybe been a little bit stuck with, this is a week when possibly we see some breakthroughs with that because Uranus liberates us, it gets us off the duff, it makes us do something, it jump starts the process in some way. And while it's in Pisces, Mercury will go on to square Mars in Gemini, it will square the lunar nodes in Gemini and Sagittarius, it will make a conjunction to Neptune. These are all things we'll talk about in more detail in the next couple of weeks. But the general idea is there is this conflict about what is more important, truth and facts, which is... The North Node in Mars and Gemini, the South Node in Sagittarius, or kindness. And it reminds me of that saying that's been attributed to a lot of different people, which is: "Before you speak, ask yourself: Is it true? Is it
0: kind? Is it necessary? Does it improve the silence?" That's a really good question for Mercury and Pisces time. Yes. And very good
1: too to temper the really strong intellectual flavor of Gemini and Sagittarius. And this reminds us that there's another dimension to this. It's not just about speaking the truth, which, especially with Mars and Gemini, can come across a little bit harsh sometimes. This is think a little bit, temper that with some kindness and put yourself in the other person's shoes. The missing mutable sign in all of this. We've got Gemini, we've got Sagittarius, and we've got Pisces represented. We're missing some Virgo. So the Virgo would be the dimension that puts information to a practical test before it speaks. That is the, is it true, I guess, part of this, of this configuration. Mercury Pisces gets there. <laughs> it could take a minute or two. <laughs> and then Uranus kicks in and goes, "This where goes." Yes. Thank you. <clears throat>
0: I mean, some people might be missing Virgo, but you and I certainly are not, so.
1: <laughs> no, we're not missing it at all. It's taking the last train to Clarksville. We just feel we don't even need our Virgo planets at the moment.
0: Well, Mercury's been in Aquarius for a long time, so this will actually feel maybe a little bit different because I think it was early January when Mercury moved into Aquarius. was the end of January. I remember it was January 30th. Oh, no, that's when it went retrograde. That's when
1: it went retrograde.
0: I think it was like the 6th or the 8th or something like that, that it went into Aquarius. Mm,
1: so it has been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever Mercury goes retrograde in a sign, I mean, usually it's going to be in that sign a lot longer than usual. It will definitely be a different flavor.
0: And this year Mercury is retrograde in air signs, so we have a little bit of a break with the Mercury retrogrades until he hits Gemini. Yeah, and Mercury going
1: into Pisces and eventually squaring Neptune can work a little Mercury retrograde-ish anyway. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next up this week, Sun and Venus have been traveling pretty close together, and this week they will both make sextile aspects to Pluto on different days. The Sun will sextile Pluto on March 16th, 1126 a.m. Pacific time. And Venus will sextile Pluto a couple of days later on March 18th at 10.20 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And both of these sextiles take place on the same degrees of the signs of Pisces and Capricorn. The sun will be at 26 degrees, 23 minutes of Pisces. Venus will be 26 degrees and 25 minutes of Pisces. So I guess what we're trying to say is it's activating the same Sabian symbols. And so we'll sort of take them together here as we talk about them. The Sabian symbol for the Sun and Venus at this sextile to Pluto is 27 Pisces, a harvest moon. And the Sabian symbol for 27 Capricorn is a mountain pilgrimage. These are both symbols that I have a great fondness for. They are nice. I think with both of these planets connecting with Pluto... There's the opportunity to go deeper, to see who you really are and determine what you really want. Who you are is the sun portion. What you want is Venus. And the going deeper always is Pluto. The harvest moon to me is a symbol that talks about extra light in the darkness. So it's extra insights. It's the ability to go deep and see, really see what's happening inside yourself. Also within your relationships because it's Venus. A mountain pilgrimage is a symbol that refers to a challenging climb, and a challenging climb can show us what we're made of as we're testing our limits, as Pluto always does. And also, in spiritual traditions, you climb a mountain to meet with a holy leader, with somebody who has really transcended everyday
0: life. So there's a lot going on at these two aspects. If you're climbing to the top of something, it's good to have extra light. Yes. Absolutely. These
1: are particularly relevant
0: sextiles, I would
1: say, for our friends with planets in Leo, Taurus, and Libra, because the sun rules Leo, Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Pluto's the modern ruler of Scorpio, so perhaps they'd be resonating with these as well. The sextiles always invitation aspects, aspects that speak about new information coming your way, perhaps. And stuff that might be a little bit challenging to deal with, but is healthy in the long run, is good. Makes you reset in an authentic way.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. So what's up next, pal? Next up, we have the sun entering Aries on March 20th at 2.37 a.m. Pacific time. This brings us to the vernal equinox in the northern hemisphere and the autumnal equinox in the southern hemisphere. So the sun's moving from water to fire, from emotion to action, from the last sign to the first sign of the zodiac.
1: Indeed. In the equinox, sometimes people have a hard time remembering the difference between the equinox and the solstice. Equinox is when the day and night are equal length, equal equinox. And that happens in the spring and the autumn And you know that from your own experience. You know that the days are not as dark as they were here in the winter. And this process really goes quickly between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And we're noticing it here that we pick up extra daylight every day.
0: Maybe for people living in San Diego, it goes fast. But for (laughs) people living in Minneapolis, when you're getting snow in January and February, (laughs) it can never go fast enough. Those are the longest two months of the year. (laughs) I hear you there.
1: Yes. And as you said, it's the beginning of spring here up north, autumn in the southern hemisphere. Spring is the time of year when we have to break the hard, compacted soil of winter and prepare it to receive the seeds and the new growth that we're going to, you know, see for the springtime. So you look to where zero degrees of Aries falls in your birth chart, and we'll link to that post that I have on my website, because that's like the energetic new year spot for your chart. That's the house of your chart that describes the areas of life in which you are bold and pioneering and unafraid. Where you really like a challenge, you really enjoy testing yourself. We're all getting kind of our real new year, our astrological new year
0: during this week. And we go into this in great detail in our Equinox episode that is exclusively for donors to the podcast. If you'd like to become a pod pal, go to bigskyastropod.com, kick in $5 or more, and you'll not only get access to the Equinox episode that will be coming out a little bit later this week, where we kind of do a three-month look ahead at what's coming up with the transits, but you'll also get three more Solstice and Equinox episodes. You get a year's worth. So join us if you would like.
1: And a bingo card. And a bingo card. We cannot overemphasize how excited we were by this bingo card. So we hope you do enjoy it. We offer it in fellowship. We do. We absolutely do. And I just wanted to quickly mention to people that what we're going to do is send all of our donors an email with instructions about accessing the special episode. And very often these messages will go in people's spam folders So if you haven't received that email with the link by March 20th, certainly, go into your spam folder and see if you find it there. If you don't, shoot me an email, april at bigskyastrology.com, and I'll get you sorted out.
0: Good idea.
1: Yeah. So not only is the sun going to enter Aries this week, but of course, so does Venus, because again, they're moving together hand in hand in the sky. So the very next day on March 21st, 7.16 a.m. through April 14th, Venus will be in Aries. We find Venus between the sign of her exaltation, which is Pisces, where she does some of her best work, and then its ruling sign Taurus, which will come next as of April 14th. This Venus in Aries, it's ruled by Mars, and Venus has a little harder time just relaxing and enjoying life when it's in Aries. There's nothing wrong with it. It just struggles to do Venus things <laughs> because Venus is more just about enjoying yourself and having a good time and enjoying the things that bring you pleasure. Mars is always a little more focused and a little more assertive and wanting to move forward and do things. It's a lot more motivated, a lot more compelled
0: to do things. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, Now, I think that when Venus is in a particular sign, it tells, too, about the things that we're going to enjoy during its season while Venus is in the sign. I think we tend to enjoy Aries things while Venus is in Aries. Sports, exercise, exerting ourselves, competition even. There can be more conflict than usual in relationships, but that can be a good thing because it tends to be the kind of conflict that clears the air. Again, it is Venus. Venus is a benign symbol, and it will bring positive things if you even give it a little bit of room to do that. Now, this can become a problem, of course, if the arguing or conflict becomes too intense or goes on for too long, then you're establishing a bad precedent and a bad pattern in a relationship. But generally speaking, I think Venus going into Aries between its happy places of Pisces and Taurus is not so bad a thing sort of kicks us out of our comfort zone a little bit.
0: Yeah, and we've really been lacking the fire element in the skies, except for when the moon moves through every now and then. So it'll be nice to have some drive, maybe a little more motivation, a little fire Yeah, with the sun and Venus now in Aries. Right. I
1: think you're right about that. I think we don't have until, I think it's Jupiter goes into Aries in 2022 sometime we don't really have outer planet energy and the fire signs. It's sort of like we were last year with the air signs. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was nothing. So, yeah, I think you're right. Especially coming into spring, it's so nice to have that fiery, enthusiastic spirit that we see with the fire signs.
0: So there's a nice balance between the four elements. There are four. Ah. Do you feel balanced? You love that as a Libra, don't you? Well, of course. You really do. Yeah. It's all about the balance. <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> and it's good for the equinox, too. Absolutely. Jen, do you know what time it is? Is it Moonwatch? <gasps> moonwatch! It is! Play it! <laughs> Yes, my friend, we are going to be talking to you about the Cancer First Quarter Moon on March 21st at 7:40 a.m. March 21st is a very busy day. But first, we want to tell you that this Moon Watch segment is brought to you by our non-imaginary sponsor, 10th House Creative. Yeah! Well, what a pleasure it has been over the past month to tell you about Mina Habibi and her good work with 10th House Creative. If you are called to a caring, healing, or socially aware service, maybe you're a spiritual business owner, an entrepreneurial empath, or a small mission driven nonprofit, the very qualities that make you really good at what you do, your sensitivity, your focus on other people, can make it challenging to put yourself and your message out into the world. That's where Mina Habibi comes in. Mina is the creatrix behind 10th House Creative.
0: 10th House Creative builds dynamic and genuine branding design for heart-centered businesses. Whether you need a functional and down-to-earth website, maybe you need a great logo, or some engaging and genuine brand photography, 10th House Creative collaborates with you to create branding that speaks to your audience.
1: Now, more than ever, the world needs you and what you're offering. And 10th House Creative is here to help you be seen. Mina uses her intuitive vision and strategic reflection to boost your visibility so you can play big and shine bright, which this Leo completely (laughs) endorses. If you're a yoga or meditation teacher, a therapist, holistic and wellness professional, spiritual mentor, astrologer, or other esoteric arts entrepreneur, if you want to put the woo
0: in woohoo, woo-hoo. <laughs> or if you're part of a grassroots <laughs> nonprofit, 10th House Creative is for you. To learn more about Mina and find out about working with her to make your business shine, visit her website, 10thhousecreative.com, and follow her on Instagram at @10thhousecreative. Please note, 10th is spelled out, it is not the numbers, so it is T E N T H H O U S E creative.com. I will link it in the show notes.
1: Mina, thank you so much for your sponsorship over these last four weeks. We really appreciate it. And I hope that everybody gets a chance to check out the wonderful work that you do. Me too. All right, then back to the moon watch already in progress. Yeah. Tell
0: us about this first quarter moon and what this means for us.
1: This is the first quarter in a phase family that began with the solar eclipse last June, June 20th or 21st, depending on where you are. 2020, the solar eclipse that was at zero degrees of cancer. I know we talked a lot about that at the time. I'm not sure which
0: episode it was. We did, and I will link it in the show notes.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. And as always, our episode on eclipses, Unboxing Eclipses, episode five is a good one.
0: That's a great one to mention. Yeah.
1: The energy of the first quarter moon is always to initiate action. Sometimes when we feel stuck with something, the best thing to do is anything. You just have to get the ball rolling in some way. Clean one drawer. Yeah, clean one drawer. Just get it moving. As April's
0: mom would say. As
1: D. Elliot would say, for <laughs> sure. That is the energy always of a first quarter moon. Where have you been stuck and wanting to do something, but feeling really, oh, it's hard to get moving. This first quarter should help with that. The key to what it is that you want to be initiating is, you know, you look for the house of your chart where Cancer resides, because that tells us the territory that you're dealing with, probably is something that you first conceived or thought about, perhaps back in June of 2020, at that eclipse time. Think about that and look back to that.
0: They'll tie together, perhaps, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, we see that connection there.
0: I think this is a particularly
1: high energy first quarter moon coming right after the equinox as it does, because the Aries point is so powerful. It's what we call zero degree of Aries, the Aries point. And the moon is, you know, square that. It's just a little over one degree of cancer. This is one of the better first quarter moons of the year, probably for taking action, initiating, getting the ball rolling, getting out of your
0: funk. She said as she glances off into the distance. I know. Longingly.
1: (laughs) Defunkify yourself is what we're saying here. Well, I was telling you before about some work projects that I've really wanted to get going on. And it's been really hard. I think while Mars was in Taurus, especially, it's a sign of inertia, Taurus. And once it gets going, you can't stop it. But getting it moving, it's kind of like picture a car that's stuck in the mud Mm -hmm. and it's you know spinning 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 its wheels and this is finally a moment i think where we can give the car a big push and get ourselves out of the mud
0: yeah i like that get moving sisyphus finally rolls the boulder up that hill
1: yes and then it'll probably roll backwards (laughs) again and smash us a little bit but that's the nature of these things
0: April, I noticed that all of the planets are smooshed into one half of the chart. Is there anything that would be helpful for folks to know regarding that? It
1: depends on where that falls in your chart. If you look at the houses between Capricorn and Cancer, that's the half of your chart that all of this energy is going to be
0: in. So from Capricorn, Aquarius, blah, 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 through Gemini and Cancer.
1: Yeah, just know that section of your chart has a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And depending on where your natal planets are, maybe they're all there too. Yeah. And you're getting a lot of conjunctions and squares, or maybe they're on the other half and you're at a place where you're going to be balancing things out. It's really individual from person to person how this works out. But just know there is a great concentration in every chart in one half of the chart. Totally. Well, speaking of getting things moving... We also have a wonderful trine between Mars and Saturn, also on March 21st at 7.35 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, 10 degrees and 33 minutes of Gemini and Aquarius. Mars has the energy and drive, and Saturn guides the energy and drive so that we can be very productive. And that's an aspect you and I share in common. Jen?
0: Yes, this transit is brought to you by Team Mars Trine Saturn. Exactly. And ours is in Earth, which is a little
1: bit of a different energy, but it's the same general idea. If you're a person who has a hard time controlling the shadow side of Mars, and in particular right now, Mars as it moves through Gemini, which can be arguing, saying unkind things, driving too fast, too recklessly, missing important details because you're in too much of a hurry, I think Saturn will really help by slowing you down just enough that you're watching what you're doing. And if you need to accomplish something that requires a lot of mental energy and discipline and focus,
0: this is a really good time for that. Do your taxes this week if you're living in the US.
1: At last, the time to do the taxes, although Mercury and Pisces could make it really Aww. interesting, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> You'll instinctually feel your way through your taxes. Totally. Yeah, but that's good advice, actually. And I'm needing to do my taxes, so I'm going to take your advice there, Jen. Perfect. This is an aspect that's strongest, let's say one degree either side of that exact moment. On March 21st. Mars is the faster moving of the two. So we say the faster moving planet is applying to the other planet, the slower planet.
0: Yeah. And will you say what applying really means for people versus separating?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like as the faster
0: moving planet is
1: approaching the exact aspect and the energy's building and building, that's an applying aspect Then the separating aspect is when the aspect has already been exact, but the faster-moving planet is moving on past the slower one, and it's still carrying some of that spirit with it. With this one, we're going to say about a degree either side of exact, and Mars moves about one degree every two days. So the window of opportunity to make the very most of this aspect, I would say, is roughly between March 19th and March 23rd. So that's plenty of time to get your taxes done. Okay, that's great. Well, that seems to be
0: everything on the show sheet, my friend. Do you think that we've done it? We've done it. Episode 73. And we want to let folks know that starting with episode 80, we will be featuring an 80s song for every episode that we work our way through. And April and I are already working on our 80s song list.
1: And I hate to correct you, my friend, but it'll actually be two
0: 80s songs per episode because we each get to choose one. Although I should get two for my graduation from high school year, I think. I'll allow it. Great.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks to everyone for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, follow us on Spotify, leave us a rating or review. And we hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com.
0: We're enormously grateful to everyone who showed support during our Podathon last fall. Each week, we always thank some of you by name. Who do we have this week, pal? This week, we are giving a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout-out to
1: Tracy Mills, Anna Colville, and Birgitta Knowles. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> now, Tracy, I know resides in one of my
0: favorite cities new orleans oh i love new orleans i wonder what
1: it would be like to live there
0: <sighs> i was kind of fantasize about it beignets and oh, i love that you know, city
1: <laughs> <laughs> delicious food oh it's all about the beignets the beignets and the bacon wrapped shrimp mm. at mr b's oh my gosh so good Bergita Birgitta joins us from Wales. Wow. That's awesome to know. I've always been super fascinated by Wales. I thought that my people were from Wales, and then I got my 23andMe thing. Yeah. And there's no Welsh there. huh Now, they might have drifted over there at some point in our family's trajectory, because my name, my birth name especially, had so dang many L's in it. April Lynn. <laughs> April Lynn, Elliot, just way too many L's, so... And Anna, I believe, is in the UK as well, but I'm not 100% sure. So kind of exciting to be saying hello to you lovely listeners and entirely other parts of the world than we are.
0: That's fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much to you three specifically and to everybody who's made a donation to the podcast. Now, if you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our Podathon, you can always make a contribution at our website, as I said earlier, bigskyastropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll invite you to the upcoming Equinox episode that's coming out later this week. Join us. You'll also get a year's worth of solstice and equinox episodes. And what else will they get, April? The bingo card. And there can always be other little surprises that we might send your way. So you just never know. Hey, it's
1: five bucks worth of fun. That's all (laughs) we could say. (laughs) Well, that is it for us this week. Please join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground
0: and your eyes on the stars.